Welcome to the Author Arena, where we help find the tools you need to give your author business a fighting chance. My name is Mary Mayweather, and I am here with my two co-hosts, Fatima and Patty. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi, Mary. How was your week? It was eventful. And what are we talking about today? Well... We said we were going to discuss social media and which good. platforms we should focus on, regular social media sites or reader-based, book-based social media sites. I'm excited. Yeah. What would those be like? Um, Goodreads, Book Funnel. Would you classify Amazon as that kind of thing? Because you can f- follow authors on Amazon. Well, you can follow authors on Amazon, but they did away with their dis- with their discussion boards many, many, many years ago, mm-hmm. and they also did away with their comments to reviews. So there isn't much reader engagement per se anymore on that platform. It's just a one way street. Um, so I was taught thinking about maybe somewhere like BookBub, where you can actually review a book um, and leave comments. I don't think, um, I don't believe at the time of this recording, you can directly contact a reader, um, but you could engage by liking and commenting on reviews. Mary, yes. which, which social media platform do you enjoy the most? Well, we know I'm a librarian. And so, uh, I am a Goodreads person. Not that I don't like BookBub, but I am naturally inclined toward Goodreads because that is where I send my students when they're looking for authors like. But do you use Goodreads more than Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Clubhouse? For books? Honestly, Not for books, yes. in general. Like, where do you engage the most with readers? Oh, oh, and with readers, I engage more on Facebook. And do you think that's a good place to find readers? Um, this is going to be like rather ironic because I have a newsletter. And um, usually the readers who end up on my Facebook go there because of my newsletter. And, and so the Facebook is more so we can interact more than once a week. So I hope I answered your question. I forgot the question. So my question was, <laughs> is that a good place to find readers? What you're telling me is you're getting readers who buy, presumably buy your books if they haven't picked up a freebie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sign up for your newsletter. Mm-hmm. like the person you are from your newsletter and want to increase that level of engagement with you, which is a fantastic thing. The fact that they're seeking you out in other, you know, platforms mm-hmm. is a testament to like how much they want to be part of your life, so to speak. Um, but is it a good place for you to find new readers, people that haven't come through your funnel? Um, me personally, no, no, but that, that, that could be a testament to how poorly I am at like Facebook ads or Facebook pulling people in. Cause I know other authors will do ads and sign up for my newsletter or do ads and like me. And I'm not very proficient at that yet. That's not to say I'm going to improve, but for me, no, but then I've been with other romance authors who have like 2000 readers on their pages and I should probably ask them how they did that. That would be a good idea. How about you, Patty? um, um, I don't really know. I guess if we're talking about readers, part of it would, a factor would be, you know, the age category of your readership and your audience and what social media platforms they use because you're not going to get a bunch of young teens or whatever on Facebook. I mean, they still use it, but they're probably going to be more on Instagram 
or TikTok or whatever the new thing is. So I guess for me, my age category from my market is, is sort of like 40 plus. So I should be able to find more on Facebook, but I don't really use it to engage readers. And again, um, just piggybacking off what Mary said, it's more because I haven't really uh, leveraged it as a social media platform or a place to communicate with my, with my readers. Um, so I should probably do that at some point. What is the primary platform you use? I don't use, I mean, I use BookBub an awful lot for advertising. Um, and, you know, that is very audience specific, but I don't really use it as a social media platform. Um, I struggle to get likes as, you know, or follows on my author. Thing. I, I haven't driven anyone to it before on my um, author page on BookBub. So if anyone knows how to go about doing that, let me know. <laughs> well, some good tips are um, in your newsletter, add a follow button. And here's a trick. If you put your user, um, your profile account, like the, the URL, and then put a question mark and then follow equals true, whoever clicks that button is automatically following you. So they don't even have to click the follow button because you've already put that little code in the link itself. So the fact like if, if curiosity compels them to click on it and they're mm -hmm. signed into BookBub, guess what, auto follow. So that's, that's one little nifty trick. Um, they recommend putting it on your website, um, email signatures, all sorts of places. <laughs> Mary's taking out her notebook to write down. <laughs> Me too. Got it sitting right here. <laughs> so basically what you do, like I'll repeat that again. You take the URL of your profile. Um, so it'll be like bookbub.com slash, I don't know if it says user, but you should claim your name. So as an author, choose Mary Mayweather. And then at the end of that, add a little question mark and then follow equals true. And that becomes an auto follow button. It's really useful. Um, the reader won't have to take any extra action on their part, as long as they're logged in, of course. Um, and you can do like all sorts of fun stuff. Like, you know, um, you can offer incentives, you know, follow me for a chance to win X, Y, Z, you know, a free copy of my book. Um, and the more followers you have, the stronger, like I'm sure Patty, you know the correlation between like the followers and advertising, correct? Mm -hmm. So BookBub tends to send out regular newsletters when you have a new release. Um, they can also charge you to, to, to send out a new release. But that email goes to all your followers. So it's, it's an added bonus, you know, like it's another touchstone of how they can remember your books exist. Mm. So why not? Yeah, that's really like, cool. It's also a good, a good um, exercise. Like if they don't want to get your newsletters anymore, they're sick of all the emails they're getting. If they follow you on BookBub, and they're used to getting BookBub emails. It's the same thing as Amazon, if you ask them to follow. Of course, you can't quite depend that, you know, Amazon and BookBub emails will be solely dedicated to you um, because they, they do send out their emails, but they have gone months without sending emails as well. Well, that applies to Amazon. I'm not sure about BookBub. Um, but it would be a good thing for you. Goodreads does the same thing. Yeah. If you ask readers as soon as you set up a pre-order to add your book to the to-read shelf, mm -hmm. um, they'll get notified. That's really useful. And I am definitely going to start looking into that in the next few days following this call because it, it's it's just another opportunity, like you say, for people to know who you are. Um, you know, in terms of marketing, you want people to get your 
book or release or whatever it is trying to promote in front of people a certain number of times because the more times they see it the more familiar they become with it and then the more likely they are to eventually um, buy it or engage with it and I think I the reason I don't really reach out to readers through social media is um, well number one I rely a lot on my mailing lists um, I like having that direct connection with them. And I know this isn't one, uh, 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 we're not talking about mailing lists today, but I think the other thing is I was put off social media quite a bit because I put a lot of effort starting out as an author into Twitter. Um, and after about a year, I was like, yeah, Twitter isn't really the kind of place. It's not, that, it's not a tool that lends itself to promoting yourself as an author. You know, it, it has other utility, but it's that's not it, I don't think. As, as, well, from my, from, from my experience, so after investing some, you know, getting, I, I was, I don't know what it was, like almost 20,000 followers and um, and just not getting anywhere. I was like, why am I, why am I still doing this? <laughs> and it, it put me off at all social media <laughs> in terms of business stuff. So. Um. <clears throat> because you were doing brand awareness on Twitter. And, and that was a lesson that um, I learned last summer. I took um, Melissa Storms class and there's brand awareness and there's campaign awareness. And those 20,000 people are aware of your brand, but they're not necessarily aware of what you've put out there to sell. And, um, and so he's like, I only have 20,000 followers. I have 238, Patty. <laughs> but your 238 could be more active than the 20,000. Exactly. Um, no, and actually this is the problem I fall into because I'm a motivational person. I wind, My followers always end up being other authors. And that's also what happened on Instagram. Mm, yeah. I, and, and so... Um, I, I use it, I've, I'm scaling back for that. I'm still like posting and interacting, but using it less for business because every time I do business, like I'm sure authors read, but they're not reading my books, but yeah. I want to inspire people because that's obviously why I've done Author Arena, mm -hmm. but yeah. Their other authors are not your audience. Um, you know, they, they could be depending on what you're doing, but more more than likely, that more often they're not going to be. And just to you know, now that you've brought, brought that up, something that might help some people out, especially newer authors starting out, is don't use social media like Facebook to go follow a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of authors, should I say, and then ask them to like your author page, because those authors aren't the people who read your books. <laughs> and Those authors fact, might unfollow you because of exactly. that. Exactly. It's a way to quickly alienate yourself from, you know, people who could become, you know, helpful in the future. You could make friends with, you could network with, and you're, you're kind of like ruining an opportunity there um, by, you know, making people unfollow you or unliking or. Yeah. Treat them as your peers and not as your buyers. Yeah, so I don't know if there's like some sort of course out there some somewhere that's teaching that that's something new authors should do because every now and then I'll get this wave of people and it always seems to happen in the same sort of window. It's like <laughs> you get 20 people going, um, trying to add you as your friends and whatever. And you see you have so many friends in common. So you're like, okay, yeah, I'll, you know, maybe I'm going to meet this person one day at a convention or, you know, so you, you accept their friend request. And then the next minute, you know, you have 20 requests to like author pages and you're like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> so that's a little tip for people i think that's a useful tip yeah it is because it my social media turned into something i wanted to connect with readers and it's great for author networking especially in this past year because you the conversations usually have at conferences you know my kid lost their tooth and um, I, I'm getting that information from social media. But 
and not selling too many books. But I'm going to fix that because I'm taking a Facebook ads class. Yeah, that's great. So, do you think that um, ads, which obviously aren't social media, but are sort of loosely linked to social media, especially if you're thinking about things like Facebook, mm-hmm. you think it's better to focus on ads instead of building a following on social media? Or is it like 50-50? So what's your goal with these ads? Just to sell your books? Selling books. And there's no secondary agenda? Yeah. Is it to sell your books and then hopefully get them to sign up for your newsletter or just sell books and that's it? I guess... That depends because if you're like, I do Facebook lead generation ads and that's, you know, getting people to, to download a book and then sign up to the newsletter. But I suppose specifically to keep it simple, let's say you, you're, you're running a campaign and you want to sell a bunch of books to people and you do that on Facebook. Um, like, we, is it a matter of that's a campaign awareness type thing, Mary? And then if you were going to focus more on building your, your Facebook page and your Facebook group and invite readers to that that's more of a brand awareness thing or yes so it's just trying to separate those two things and not get them confused so not not building one platform and expecting it to convert to sales when that isn't the purpose for that platform correct okay this was a See? really good exercise of open-ended questions. <laughs> yeah. Hey, like, what, I'm learning. That's why I'm here. Just, uh, <laughs> yes, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm great at asking open-ended questions. <laughs> uh, well, well, and, but also part of learning is um, I'm not affirmation, that's a different word, but where you reiterate what you said to make sure that it's concrete. And so mm-hmm. that wasn't really, that was a learning yeah. type of question. Repetition for emphasis mm-hmm. um, type thing, yeah. And that's something we as authors need to do because I am, um, <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times where I'm like, yeah, I got it. And then I go away and I try to do what I said in my head yeah I got it and I get two steps in and I'm like no I don't <laughs> and then I have to slink back and it's funny because Fatima helps me with stuff and she's like do you understand what I'm saying and I say yeah and then I go and she helped me with the blurb and she was like going way faster than I could process I was like mm, tell me why didn't you tell me because I was excited about what you were telling me. So. I'll slow down. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. So this happened um, after our Clubhouse Author Arena sprints this morning. Well, last night for Mary, this mm-hmm. morning for me. Um, we had a little uh, private room going and we went mm-hmm. through her blur because um, so Mary, um, they turned into business talk today. Mm-hmm. And they brought up uh, Nicholas Eric's exercise about writing down the blurbs of the best-selling books in your genre and handwriting those, like setting a timer, handwriting them for, I think, seven minutes, um, time it, then stop copying the blurb of that best-selling author and write your book's blurb in, that, in the tone of the, the blurb you just copied. And so Mary was telling us that she's been doing this exercise and it's, you know, she has all these blurbs. And the first question I asked was like, she sends me a, a link to Google Docs. And I'm like, did you write them down? And she's like, no, I can't write them down. <laughs> I can't handwrite. <laughs> like that's, that's step one out of the window. <laughs> See, but I do dictate. And so I should probably dictate them. Yeah, but I dictate too. But the when you write something down, it uses a different brain, hand, brain, <laughs> memory kind of thing. <laughs> it's not quite the same as dictation. <laughs> but that was an interesting exercise. And then <laughs> we went through the different blurbs because I told her, well, do you want this style? you know, like the typical romance, like you meet the heroine, then you meet the hero. And then what's the issue standing in their way. 
And then the big question, will they, won't they? And of course, every reader that reads a romance blurb knows the answer to this question is a yes. You know, it's always a happily ever after or happily, you know, happy for now. Um, but they want, you know, like there's a sense of comfort about it that mm -hmm. you know the tropes that you're getting mm -hmm. into. Um, and Mary's like, no, no, those aren't the blurbs. <laughs> and then what happened oh, there? <laughs> oh, but they were there. Yes. No. <laughs> See, and this is the thing I started with. Um, I don't want to like ever bash like another author, but I a just prolific, don't bash. Just don't a bash. Prolific person gave a formula and the formula doesn't work for romance. And, and so my earlier blurbs were in this and it's great for fantasy. It's great for sci-fi. It's great for thriller. And, and so I, um, and what you're saying is probably is in there, but the way this person taught it, it's not in the romance blurbs. And, and so I, when I'm, it's not there, but it's there. And also something I'm trying to shift to is I want comfort in my tropes, not my tropes, my blurb, but at the end, instead of saying, will they, won't they, how, because how are they going to accomplish this? The reader is now going, um, I don't know. They have to read to find out. Yeah, because you're getting them to ask the question as well. So it, they want to know the answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing you brought up there about blurbs and templates and formulas. Because the pitfall we can fall into is um, it, that the problem with formulas is everyone's going to use them, right? So that's one downside is they become very generic. And then every, everyone's blurb becomes the same. And then the other problem is, like you said, that formula might not work for all genres or subgenres. So people start using it and it's not working. And maybe they didn't realize it's not working because they were told that it does work. Mm -hmm. um, so that could be an issue. So it's an important thing about copy. And I know a lot of authors hate blurbs. <laughs> a lot of them say they would, you know, it's easier to write a novel than a blurb. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, I really enjoy copywriting especially the psychology behind it and the philosophy. Oh, really? Ooh. She's an expert at it. There we go. So we need to talk. Fatima. We should. Uh, <laughs> but I love, I, I, I love copywriting and I love writing blurbs. I'm not saying I'm good at it. I just really enjoy it. And I think it's very important for authors or anyone trying to get their work out there, even if they don't like it. If you don't like something and you struggle with it, it's probably a good, a good sign that it's something you should be doing. So mm -hmm. learning to copyright is, is an important skill. Um, and if you learn the, the fundamentals and the basics and the philosophy, philosophy and principles behind it, you won't need a generic formula that everyone else is using and it'll help you stand out from all of that. So, I mean, and that isn't just for blurbs, that could be for a social media post, an email you're sending to your readers, an advertisement that can be, it's, you know, it's something you can use everywhere. So, um, yeah, I think that's a really interesting point you brought up about it not working. Can for I genre. slightly disagree? Just yeah. because you're struggling with something doesn't necessarily mean it's something you should learn. Because sometimes, like, our brains are wired differently. Mm -hmm. And something that I may find easy um, and Mary might struggle with, or that she finds easy and I struggle with maybe I don't need to learn that skill set. Maybe I could outsource it. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Maybe I can get somebody who's already good at that to do a good job on it and free up my time to excel at what I already do pretty well. Yeah, yeah, um, it's definitely true. So just a different point of view. Yeah. Can I piggyback? Sure. Or what you do is you find a friend who's good at it and, and because to be totally honest, I had a lot of fun, Fatima, <laughs> going through it with you because she was, she was like, you have to make them feel, she was telling me the steps, you have to make them feel, you have to, and I, everything I know, but 
I, you forget because you get so caught up in the, I have to get this done. And, um, and then as I started doing it, she'd be like, Ooh, I like that. And you know, that just sent off all the good girl, good girl in my head. And if you, if, because um, Fatima's right, you should outsource it. But if so, there's a lot of people who can't afford the outsourcing in the beginning, get the friend that's better at it than you. Yeah, you and, can and, barter. Yeah. Like if you help me with this, I'll help you with something else. There are also lo loads of really good books out there on copywriting. There's some terrible ones, but like, mm -hmm. um, what was it? Cash Advertising by Drew Eric Whitman. Um, the bar and letters. I mean, those, those aren't things that are going to appeal to everyone, but um, I mean, you can find videos on YouTube. Just if you, for example, don't know anyone, if you're starting out and you're trying, you're struggling with writing your blurb because you know you can't maybe afford to hire someone either. So you just have to bear with it and do it. Um, it's just a matter of looking things up and learning some of the basics. That can go an awful long way compared to just making something up on the spot. I think to go back to our earlier topic, I think you can practice using that copy on social media platforms and, you know, experiment there to see what actually resonates with readers and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. Here's a question for you, Fatima, since you're, you're really good at this, right? It's, not, it's all about eliciting an emotional response, right? Yeah. If you're writing copy. And I've, I find this a lot on Facebook group. You see, I'm promoting other books that I'm writing, not in the author sphere directly. And I've, I've really, I find that to be so true in certain groups when talking about certain subjects. Like if I put up a question that will make people really angry and annoyed about something, not at me, but like, a, like it's a, it could be a dichotomy and they feel really strongly about something one way or another. So they're going to jump on and say what they want to say because they feel so strongly about it. Like, but it, it has, no, it's like of no use. <laughs> it's just <laughs> that people just want a platform to vent their frustration. That seems to be something that, you know, gets a lot of engagement. And it's like, I don't want to keep using that because it's almost a negative thing, but also it's, it's what works. But so what is, is there... your goal? What is your goal? Is your goal just to get engagement or is your goal to actually get them to purchase something? I guess both. Or should I well, be only doing one or the other? If, you're, if your goal is for them to purchase, then you're wasting your time just building negative engagement just for the sake of engagement. Hmm. You should always try to have them engage and follow the, the, the path that you set for them, you know, mm -hmm. the customer journey, mm -hmm. um, just fighting on social media mm -hmm. is not going to do your brand any good. Unless your brand is to fight with people yeah. and get them angry. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I, was, I was probably painting a bit more of a negative picture of that than I should have. But I, yeah, I, I know say. what you mean. <laughs> and, and I was going to say it depends, like, one, because you should only have 25% ads for engagement. So you have, so for every one buy my book, you have to have three and three interesting, something that makes them want to go. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you seem like, um, the guy on the corner with the watches in the pocket. Yeah, I'm not saying that you have to sit there and make it all buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. I'm mm -hmm. saying, for example, I have a friend who sells, um, you know, she, she has a shop and she sells clothes mm -hmm. and she had an Instagram account that was like, I did an analysis mm -hmm. and her top posts were all memes. Mm-hmm that didn't do her business any good. Mm -hmm. The customers enjoyed the memes. They thought they were mm -hmm. funny and it was all haha -ha and like leaving commentary, but it did not help build her brand. It did not help bring in clients into the store. Um, so if you have engagement where they're engaging about books, they're engaging about tropes, they're talking about different shows. Mm -hmm. Okay, if it fits your mm -hmm. brand profile, that's all right. But if you have 
just posts for the sake of engagement with no definitive goal, then you can go off the brand promise and you can lose your voice. Okay. I see what so you're you should always figure out like, does this match my brand? And if it doesn't, don't, don't go down that road because you're diluting your brand. You're going off message. See, and I'm lucky because <laughs> small town, sweet romance, I'm writing about relationships. So everything I post is potential for something in a book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I posted um, Randy, my husband, um, I made him a hamburger, but we didn't have buns and I used bread. Now, when I don't, you are you guys old enough to remember when if you didn't have buns and use bread, you were considered poor? I think that's a cultural reference. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so back in the day, if you didn't have buns and you had bread, you were poor. And and so now those that that's a nostalgic thing. I'm having a bread hamburger because I can, not because I have to. So that was one thing right there. But the other is Randy cut it. And there are rules for how you cut your bread. <laughs> you either go down the middle so it's symmetrical or you go triangles. <laughs> Randy cut it across the middle. And I was like, what is this insanity? <laughs> and I posted it on Facebook. But then what happened is, one, what is this insanity? That's like a wife-husband romance. Um, but it engagement, because then I had one friend who was like, she took the picture and she fixed it and she put a line across it. So it was four squares. She goes there, I fixed it for you. <laughs> and then we had another one where it, it was a cousin and she was like, that's because we're Swedish. So she's like pro team Randy. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> and, and, um, but then, okay. And that's my brand is you get these friends together and they quibble over insignificant things. And sometimes feelings get hurt over these quibbles. And my posts aren't like hurt feelings quibbles, but then when this big problem comes up that, um, that quibble can all can be used to kind of like, have you ever been mad at somebody and you want to make up with them, but you don't know what to say to make up. So you quibble till you get to the makeup and Patty's like, no, nah, I haven't. <laughs> um, but the whole point of this is I get what you're saying and I'm lucky because everything I use is potential for my book or is potential for my brand. Whereas I see with other genres, that would be difficult. Because mm. if Patty posted, do you cut your bread triangle or square <laughs> but get he a lot could, of engagement. no but but see he could he could use that in a sci-fi kind of way how? like because like how do they cut the bread in uh sprite uh, in space you know okay. do they use different kinds of bread like if as long as you tie it to the brand somehow yeah. you okay. could do it but if he has a random post about I don't know dogs versus cats you know that's really alienating and talks about how much he hates dogs mm -hmm. and it gets people really aggravated <laughs> and worked up like and doesn't do him any favors that's um useless <laughs> but he that could also be a plot point in the next book he's writing it could be but then if that's the rule you can apply that to anything anything can be a plot point it's just you have to identify what your brand is and then stay on topic, yeah. you know, on brand. Mm. So, like, I shouldn't be posting Rick and Morty memes. I don't know Probably what they are. The kids don't. just talk about it. I don't know. I, I think Rick's a romantic deep dive. <laughs> 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 but, you know, small town, clean romance writer. <laughs> mm, maybe, yeah, maybe not. I don't think it's... <laughs> Okay, no, and I'm just circling back because, like, I was thinking perhaps you've never seen French... an episode. Uh -uh. Oh, you definitely oh, should, dear. and then yeah. you'll be horrified. 
And then you'll definitely post more memes. <laughs> I would. I'm I'm a fan. I would. <laughs> but See, I'm and, not sure you would. <laughs> and and so no, that's funny though. So what your if I'm thinking if your friend had posted memes related to fashion, that might have helped. Maybe, but at the end of the day, the memes mm -hmm. were getting engagement, but no traction in terms mm -hmm. of when people saw the memes, they mm -hmm. thought of her as a joke account. So there are lots oh. of accounts on Instagram that like live just to post memes and that's their bread and butter. Okay. Now I get what you're yeah. saying. Okay. But like okay. when you go to her Instagram, you should be seeing fashion. You should be seeing, yeah. you know something about her store location, you know, the window display stuff, you know, what's the new collection that's coming out, something yeah. that like I... elicits curiosity and mm -hmm. motivates the clients to actually show up to the store or go to the online store mm -hmm. um, and buy, make a purchase. So that's Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm. Okay. I got what I misunderstood what you were saying at the beginning. Yeah. So, yeah. so getting engagement, like, like Patty got 20,000 Twitter followers mm -hmm. and they might've been engaging with his tweets, but if that engagement didn't lead to purchases, then it was, what was the time for? Like he, if he was just engaging with them on a personal level, okay, that's nice, mm -hmm. but it should serve a purpose. Mm. The, I guess it's, it's difficult. I think, is it a matter of getting a balance between those two things? Because I, I do believe strongly in that you should you should give value to your audience, right? It shouldn't be like like you pointed out, Mary. Um, buy my book, buy my book, right? You should the majority of the time you should be giving people something, and obviously that thing should tie into your brand and whatever you you know do have to offer in terms of your product at some point. But it's like I'm going to give you. I'll tell you the sort of. I'm not going to be very specific about the post I made, but I I have been trying to give certain audience a lot of really good material right and content <laughs> that they can use um in a practical way and if i post stuff like that um often it'll just like sink to the bottom and you know it'll get a little bit of attention let's say i'm just gonna pull numbers out of my head right now um on facebook in a group it might get 10 likes and 10 comments right mm-hmm um, like that's probably one of the worst ones. And then if I put the, the one that was kind of polarizing, I mean, it wasn't like people were fighting in it or anything. It's just that people just had an opinion about this one, one character versus this other kind of character. Right. So I put this up on another Facebook group and it didn't have any, you know, here's value or here is, you know, a call to action or anything, but it got 2000 comments and as many likes. And like two, three days later, I was still getting notifications. And I, I put a comment and I said, guys, really? You're still going? Come on. <laughs> you know? Because it's like, <laughs> so it's a matter of, yes, you do need to do something that is on brand, but there's no point in doing that if you're not going to get engagement or enough eyes on it so it's a matter of mixing those two things together is that right am i am i that's correct you have or? you have to mix the two because like okay so so you said a few days later you were still getting notifications which meant new people were showing up to the conversation and they were their eyes were on the brand when are they the correct eyes or are they people who just live for this you know polarizing content if they're just people who live for polarizing content, they're just going to be there as soon as that, you know, that acrimony fades and then leave. Mm. You want people to stick around. You want people to actually, like, if they feel that passionately, like, for example, urban fantasy is a vampires versus werewolves. If I post that and you have people who, like, feel strongly one way or the other, and I have books of both they can see oh let me look at her profile oh i'll buy this book um but if i just put that up there for no reason and people were commenting what's the value in it mm -hmm. like engagement for engagement's sake and yeah. then like there should always be some sort of purpose behind what you share online you should add value 
you know mm -hmm. you should seek to promote your material so like you have a magazine right so what kind of content should you share you should share the artwork some of bits of the article and that's adding value and then whoever like if that gets engagement people who join and look at that material will hopefully pick it up mm -hmm. um, but you're not just going to go and post like a megan and harry post just to have people, all the fans show up and comment just because uh, it's the hot button can, issue at the moment. I don't do that. Yeah, you know? my work. I don't do that. So, okay. so no, I see what. So you're... potential people could show up. They might like your magazine, but they're not your audience. They're here to argue because they feel strongly about Meghan and Harry, Harry and Meghan. Yeah. That's so. personal yeah. Facebook page stuff. <laughs> <laughs> But see, you could tie it to your brand if you chose to, because mm -hmm. like you could have a book about royalty. Mm. Yeah. And I know some authors who do and, and they can capitalize on the attention right now and say, mm -hmm. hey, if you like what's going on here, guess what? I have the same story. If you want to read about it. Okay. I, I, I don't write that kind of romance. So. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. Yes, <laughs> but but does that make sense? Like just the the quality of the type of engagement you're getting, yeah, and whether I, it actually adds value to your overall brand or not. Yeah, I think I think the thing is right. So you have two different kinds of posts, mm -hmm. right? And it's just, and it's easy to think up this one, and it's easy to think up this one, but it's hard to go a step further and go, okay, so how do these things work together? Yeah. So maybe that's, that's the challenge. That's where people stop because that's the, the, yeah, like you said, it's a challenge. It, it becomes difficult. And it's like, well, I don't want to do that extra bit of work because it's really uncomfortable, you know? <laughs> no, but that's, that becomes the challenge. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. No, that's really helpful. Thank you. And, you have to practice. Um, it's a skill set. Mm. So since, are... because you already know how to do it in one way, you just need to apply it to the other way. Yeah. Makes sense. And there are actually services that help with that. And, and so like I have Promo Republic. So I type in love. It'll give me tons of quotes, tons of images, tons of articles based on love. And um, I might only use one, but it triggers the how to make these connect type of a thing. And Publer also has that. And so um, I usually use Publer for articles that I share on Twitter. Like I read this, this was awesome type of a thing. And um, because you're right, it is hard. And then, but also I've seen where people do calendars. And so I do Motivation Monday. Every Monday I do something motivational. Um, and then like every other week I'll take a picture tell me what these two characters are thinking. And again, that works for my, actually it would work for any genre because mine are always like in a close position, which could be like um, romance. Um, but I think that would make it easier for people if you have a structure and then I'm supposed to be doing promo Friday where I promote one of my books. I kind of fail because I'm tired by Friday. I I'm going to get better at that. Because I have just said that to the world. <laughs> just schedule it in advance. Yes. And then I do have a question though, because I do have, oh, and then I have quotes. Like, do you do this, Patty? Like, do you do graphics and things from your books with quotes? Me? Um, yeah. yeah, I I used to, in the past, it's probably something I should do more. Uh, I've stopped doing it. Okay. And then this is, Actually, I'm glad we're having this talk because I don't, <laughs> I don't know about the listeners, but I'm going to get my business in order. <laughs> I'm always hesitant to recycle quotes. Why? But is that just, I think that's just my quirk mm -hmm. and I should go ahead and because I have like 20, I could just cycle through them. Yeah. What you need to do is have a content calendar. Mm -hmm. and 
come up with all these, like, I'm sure you have more than 20 quotes. Um, a good tip would be to ask your readers, go Mm -hmm. to Goodreads, see what quotes they highlighted. Um, even if you go to the Kindle app, for example, and go through your books, it'll show you what they highlighted. So my recommendation would be choose the quotes that resonated with readers, create graphics based on those, and then have a content calendar and just schedule them out. Um, In Promo Republic, I believe you can actually choose a topic and just fill in this quote, whatever graphic, it'll just cycle through them. And, you know, people do this all the time. People do it, you know, in news agencies, influencers. Um, It's a common, it's common practice. So like the same news article will be posted like three, four times a day because at different times, because based on the time, you may not have seen it. Mm-hmm. So, so I wouldn't recommend posting the same quote on the same day. But if you have over 20 quotes, you can cycle through them, you know, pretty decently and ensure that somebody will see a fresh piece of content every time they log on. Guess what I'll be doing next Saturday night? <laughs> going through the Kindle app. <laughs> yeah, because, and you're right, I have more than 20 quotes because I have 25 books. If you want to make it a game for your readership, um, have them actually, um, I'm sorry, I, it does, I kind of forgot this, but they can actually, there's, an, there's a feature they can use mm-hmm. where they can produce this. Oh, on the Kindle. On the Kindle. Mm-hmm. And just ask them to do it and, you know, you'll gift something to them. One of your awesome mugs. Yeah. And that way they'll post it on their, I think it goes directly onto their Instagrams. Mm -hmm. And so they're sharing with their audiences. You're getting pieces of context. Ask them to share it with a specific hashtag. Collect them all. And there you go. They've done your homework for you. Well, not even homework. They make me, I had, I didn't, I take, I don't know about you, but I take myself for granted. And someone, I, and someone at our school reads my books and she said, you have to see this. And I went, what? And she, on her whiteboard, she had quotes from my books, like things that I, my, I said to my character, my, had my characters say, and I was like, this is horrible. Wow, I did not know I was that profound. <laughs> well, just well, Mary, you have somebody right there. Enlist her services. I should, I should, but but then also, um, and this was in my newsletter, and I know this isn't a newsletter talk, um, because I have, because of the age range of my readers, there are some of my readers that refuse to go to social media. So what they do is they write me notes. That's sweet. It is. And, and so um, if I were to make this, like one, I could make it where they could share, share it on Kindle. But two, even if they just emailed me, what's your favorite quote? That's engagement. Yeah. And um, because then I like email them back. And so, no, that's a and then idea. And then you can take that, that favorite quote thing. Um, you can run a contest and have readers vote on their favorite quote. And then you could turn it into a piece of merchandise. And then because it's their favorite quote, so maybe choose the top five, um, put it on a piece of merchandise and hopefully like it'll move. If you wanna take it a degree further, you could segment it so you know exactly who voted for what. And then whenever you want to treat that fan, you know exactly what they like and you know what to send them. Okay. I'm the newbie author, guys. <laughs> See, you're, the newbie, you're the author, but, um, and I was telling someone this, I, that you don't ha- have a lot of books, but you have like the business knowledge. You're in a better position than most of us because 
I, I, I got the literature part down. And as I said in our first podcast, business is Einsteinian math to me. But when I talk to you, I'm like, oh, I can do that. You have a gift of taking complex, the complex and making it palatable. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for the compliment from you, Patty. I was just going to say, we should really title this episode an awesome workshop in how to market your product by Fatima. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I said enough to qualify, but like that'll be the goal for the next one. <laughs> no, you, you, I don't know. You give a, a huge amount of actionable, valuable information there. So thank you. Uh, you're like, welcome. I just hope it's useful. No, it is. I'm like, yeah. well, I'm again. I'm overwhelmed. I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> I actually well, majored in advertising, but in advertising uh, pre-digital advertising. Hmm. Well, not that far back, but still, it it wasn't that advanced. So I did yeah. the whole studied copy, studied hmm. all and the, a lot of all the fun tra- stuff. It's transferable though, no matter what media you're using. Mm-hmm. Some of it, anyway, probably most of it. Um, I apologize about the noisy goblins in the background, by the way. They're not noisy. Noisy goblins. They're not noisy. No, and we love them anyway. (laughs) Unless they like make howling sounds and they sound like real goblins. Mm. (laughs) That they do that sometimes. Then we fear them. (laughs) Actually, they do that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a question for the two of you. Mm-hmm. You got to answer it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Pizza, burger, or tacos? Who's counting down? One, two, three. Pizza. 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 <laughs> <laughs> We're all on the same page today. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I had to say pizza today because the first weekend of every month is family pizza day where we make pizza from scratch. Nice. Ooh. So we did that today. The kids fed me zucchini brownie, which tasted much better than I thought it would. I was just going <laughs> to say, that name. doesn't sound very nice. It does. No, it did not. <laughs> but they shred the zucchini very finely that you don't oh. actually taste it. But wow. I don't understand why they just don't leave the zucchini out. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they have to feel that it's healthy somehow. <laughs> They're healthy brownies. It's all yeah. good for you. It's mm-hmm. fiber, and then the zucchini is actually the moisture for the mix. That's what they said. That's what they said. That's why it's so moist. And I'm like, wow, you're eight, and you're pretty smart for an eight-year-old. <laughs> eight and seven. Wow. <laughs> but um, this was an awesome session. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Of course, Same. because Mary was complimenting me most of the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you enjoyed no. the session, hit subscribe. Follow us. And um, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks. Bye.